Hey, how's it going, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. This is a podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. We're so excited today because uh, it's time for the unveiling of a new topic, a Mm -hmm. new category of episodes. Just a little refresher to those of you who haven't been with us very long. Not too long ago, uh, about a year ago, you know, we got to our 500th episode. And after that point... After that point, both Carl and myself... After that point, we were tired. (laughs) Yeah. We were very tired. We were tired, but we also wanted to continue the podcast in uh, a slightly new direction. We decided to start going every other week instead of every week. Um, And one of the reasons we did that is we wanted to make time to grow our podcast and explore new categories, new ways of analyzing video game music, new ways of having categories of content. And so Mm -hmm. I think, you know, we've been wanting to balance things so that we get some of our episodes feel a little bit more like our traditional, sometimes we call it Mercado classic style, where it's just Carl and I playing you know, 18 to 20 tracks and analyzing it. But we've also been trying to explore uh, new categories. And the one that we have for today is called current events. And so these are going to be types of episodes where it's primarily Carl and myself discussing things happening right now in the world of video game music that we want to discuss. So, Will, what what are we discussing today that is very timely? We're here to discuss uh, the Grammys and yep. this really notable historic thing that happened, which is that uh, a category was added this year to the Grammys, and it's really the first exciting. time that video game composers have been included in that event. It isn't the first time that a video game soundtrack has been acknowledged at the Grammys. That right. distinction goes to Austin Wintry uh, for the soundtrack to Journey. And so this category because of exciting. that, we thought it was fitting to sort of um, play in today with a track by Austin. This is yeah. from his score to Aliens Fireteam Elite. Very different than the sound that he won for So yeah, today we are going to be playing just a taste of all five of the scores and composers that were nominated for the recent Grammys. And before we dive into that, let me just read the list if anyone um, hadn't heard, if anyone wasn't paying attention to the Grammys. There were five nominations uh, for this category, uh, and I'll just go through them. The first one is Aliens Fireteam Elite. Uh, we played in with that, and we're going to play one more. We're playing two tracks uh, from each one of these nominated scores today. Uh, Fireteam Elite by Austin Wintry. Assassin's Creed Valhalla Dawn of Ragnarok by Stephanie Ikonomu. Call of Duty Vanguard by Bear McCreary. Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy by Richard Jakes, and Old World by Christopher Tin. I'm excited to play some music that none of this we've ever played on the podcast before, and it's all pretty recent stuff. It's it's not as recent as you might think. I was surprised to see that some of this is actually from 2021. It's always interesting how they divide up the year. Uh, for, right. You know, because we just saw the ceremony like a week ago, but yeah. Well, and it, also, it's, it's pretty it's recent been- stuff. The the difficulty um, here is also it's been kind of a tumultuous, you know, since COVID and since yeah. um, the pandemic. I know some of these award shows have had, we don't need to get into all of it, but there have been some that haven't happened or have Well, they were very pleased with the events. ratings, I know. The ratings were very good, actually. Um, yeah. So a lot of people which were is all the be- Which is all that. the better for this medium. And I think the thing that we really want to underscore today is... You know, something about 
um, award shows like this is inherently there's this level of subjectivity and it's been a particularly great period of time for video game music really so I mean I think the thing that we want to be in the spirit here is celebrating all of these composers because they really did do phenomenal work but also just celebrating the past year or in this case a a little bit more than the past year um, but celebrating the work of our medium that's happened because typically we would do episodes you know greatest hits where we look back at kind of the best music from the past year but Mm -hmm. um it's really honestly i'm glad we're not doing that this year because there'd be so much to include because it's just been a very fruitful time wouldn't you say carl yeah no i totally agree and i think this this type of episode current events is a really good idea to have occasional episodes that are a little bit more timely and talking about things that are currently happening in the world of games and game music uh, which we don't do all that often i mean we love us some nes some snes and genesis spotlights and and stuff like that and so that's kind of the the opposite of something like this um okay so yeah let's get into some music we're just going to play a taste of some of this stuff today and we'll discuss and we'll also have a larger broader discussion on the state of game music and awards and grammys and all that stuff sorry we're not playing any beyonce or taylor swift today sorry everybody uh okay uh so Though we just... could i'd love to do an episode on pop music that'd be so much fun <laughs> it'd be funny if like there were six nominees for this game music award and the sixth nominee was beyonce <laughs> for no reason uh well, dude, right. side tangent um with burt Bacharach, who just died yeah um, which is so incredibly sad but emma and i were watching butch cassidy and the sundance kid the other day nice and man i think it's so cool the way his music is used and it reminded me of video game music Totally. I think that, I don't know, I definitely think there'd be a place for that kind of scoring approach in a game. So anyone, if you haven't seen Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid, highly recommend it. And think about what I'm saying. Imagine listening to that music and picturing it in a video game. Maybe I'm crazy. So we played in with uh, UAS Endeavor from uh, Aliens Fireteam Elite. Let's play one more track from this score. This is Search. And again, this score was composed by Austin Wintry. guys listening to a taste of search by austin wintry from aliens fireteam elite and a little disclaimer a lot of these pieces today are very long form pieces and so we're not playing all of them we're just playing a taste and this is really uh for anyone who hasn't checked out some of these scores and it was helpful for us too because a few of these i actually hadn't uh, gotten around to checking out so that's kind of what this episode is about 
um, yeah, this this track is is really interesting. Well, I want to get your thoughts on the instrumentation here. I, I was really surprised with the the use of percussion and the sound of some of the percussion that we're hearing in this one. Well, you know what's interesting, and I mean, I think Austin Wintry is someone who has a lot of um, facets, I guess, of his music, but something that I definitely hear in this score that I would say is like a big part of his musical voice overall is he's bringing not necessarily always the sound, but the love of like classic uh, film composers. Mm -hmm. And I think in particular, especially because this is, um, you know, the Alien series, I hear uh, the influence of Jerry Goldsmith and in some ways the influence of James Horner from the Aliens, the Mm -hmm. sequel. Um, But both those scores kind of different, but around a similar period in time. And I think Austin has his own voice but i definitely hear the influence of like the jerry goldsmith tense action score kind of sound right yeah no totally um so that was the first nominee and composer we're now moving on to the second nominee and the winner so stephanie ikonomu was the winner and the the soundtrack assassin's creed valhalla dawn of ragnarok was the winner uh, the Grammys. And so we're going to play two tracks. And Will, how about this? How about we, we play these two tracks, we discuss them. Once we get to the next uh, nominee, maybe we can open up that discussion to be a little broader. Does that sound good? That sounds great. I'm excited. So the first track we're going to play from this score, Stephanie's score, is Cracking the Vault. Let's take a listen. guys are listening to a little bit of cracking the vault this is from assassin's creed valhalla dawn of ragnarok and congratulations to stephanie ikonomu who is a composer of the score who won um we're gonna play one more track after this to give a little taste of the score and this was one of the scores that i had not checked out i actually hadn't even heard of this dlc or its music before the grammys and so that was uh, that was interesting. When I heard the winner, I was like, oh, I I feel kind of embarrassed. I've never even heard of this. The thing that's crazy, I, I think it's just part of getting older is like often I find I have way less time to play new games. So I miss mm-hmm. out on a lot of stuff that's, well, that's coming it's, out. It's also like different genres that I'm into. Like I don't play the Assassin's Creed games. I have absolutely no knowledge of the different games that have come out in the different DLCs. So it's not surprising that I hadn't heard of this. I don't play those games. This sounds... I think this sounds really cool, and I mean, it, everything about great. it seems... Yeah, I what's was... interesting, I was there's a lot the of Ragnarok-related 
popular culture <laughs> in the last few years. Have you noticed that? Yeah, very saturated with that, for sure. Yeah, movies and games and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, no, I was really into the score. Um, it's really interesting instrument choices, good writing. It's yeah. kind of, um, it has a, di- a different balance, or I would say an effective balance of being like vibey and atmospheric, but also being engaging enough. There's like, there's specific lines you can listen out for that are, you know, striking and engaging. And so I, I really appreciated well, I that. I think the thing that I liked about it was that it felt like a nice halfway point between like the more like campy video game music approach that I think you and I love so much and the like very, I don't know, Western kind of film score modern film score approach. i agree this felt somewhere in the middle where it still had some of that medieval not necessarily playfulness but just really focusing on on creating a world on creating yeah. this sense of there's a slight amount of that that feels like it's this is a video game score this isn't a film score this isn't for tv this is for a game and i really appreciated sort of those two i don't know those two different perspectives because i think a lot of the early western game composers when I say early, I mean once they started kind of having bigger budgets and, you know, they started hiring composers who were working in film and television uh, to start scoring films. I To me, a lot of that first wave of stuff was kind of like didn't seem at all connected to any yeah. of the traditions of video game music. And that's something that I think has changed now. I think classic video game music has gotten enough appreciation that even composers who are newer, who are, or like have come to games later, um, there seems to be this sense, this acknowledgement and appreciation of this whole aesthetic world that is video game music. I don't music, know if you've noticed this, but these composers is. are really enjoying themselves. I mean, these yeah. composers that get to work in games time and time again, that's some of their favorite experiences because they have this opportunity to be really eclectic and sometimes bizarre and off the wall, and they might not have that same opportunity in film and television. So that's happening too. Well, and the timeline is so different. You know, yeah. you can write a video game score over the course of years. Totally. Um, where with a film score, that's very rarely the case. Yeah. I mean, so oftentimes there's play, incredibly fast, you know, turnaround. Let's play one more track from this Assassin's Creed score. This one is a tough word to say. Um, Svartalfheim. Let's take a listen. stuff this is Svartalfheim <laughs> something that. along those lines from Don of Ragnarok um, and I'm really into the quirky mix of eras 
that are evoked by yeah, the interesting cool? instrumentation. It's a cool sound and a very cool vibe. Yeah, yeah this, what this I love one is, is um, very atmospheric. It's it's not about a specific melody. There is a nice catchy melody, but yeah, it's it's really about the soundscape. I would say. Well, I think especially you know, and this is something that we just will see now in modern game scores is music that has a much longer form. And for soundtracks, often what we're hearing is an edit of the various game stages. So totally often now the music is so dynamic that you have a first layer that is much more atmospheric in right. um, depending on the amount of action that is or isn't happening in that moment, whether potentially you're in a stealth situation or you're in an action situation um, that all changes the game state. So often now when we get the soundtrack versions, there are these long suites that start with the texture, gradually build up the groove. And then in this case, we get to this great like 80s synth. Like it made me think of almost, I don't know. The guitar the mix of, like, was really cool. Yeah. The, the interesting mix of rock, but also like chariots of fire 80s yeah. kind of I don't know. The good kind of cheesiness in there. That's artists. mixed in. The, it, it seems so self-aware of the style and the the musical connotations of this whole um, sort of It's palette. fun. I mean, and one I, of I my favorite that. things about video game music is that a lot of times it's just more fun than, you know, if you're A being something. If you're A being a piece of Celtic folk music. If you're A being a piece of film music or a rock song, you know, from the 80s. Like, the video game equivalent is always a little more fun. And that is the case with well, the score. you know, someone who I'd love to talk to at some point is my friend Zizi, uh, Zhao Hong. Uh, we played his music on that one episode of the podcast mm-hmm. where I shared stuff from, you know, my Columbia uh, friends. Um, and he did that really cool. Remember, he did that chip tune that was kind of mm-hmm. uh, super catchy and old school. Um, yeah, you I, said I he interned with about Stephanie, him, but yeah, right? He he interned with with Stephanie, so I'm sure he. I don't know. I I'd love to get his perspective on that. Would be cool. Um, this win and what she was like and what it was like to get to work with her and yeah, it's it's really we'll do that. exciting exciting times. So let's move on to the third out of five uh, nominees that we're focusing on today. And just a little fun fact for y'all, if you're if you're interested, my personal favorite scores uh, that I checked out out of these five are the fourth and the fifth. We're gonna get to those soon. I was particularly impressed with those. Um, But before we get to that, uh, the third one is Call of Duty Vanguard, composed by the very busy and prolific Bear McCreary. He is working on so many projects at the same time. Yeah, it's it's really impressive. Uh, This is the main theme. It's Vanguard.
You guys are listening to Vanguard. This is the main theme from Call of Duty Vanguard. So I thought this would be a good opportunity to have a broader discussion for these two tracks. It shouldn't be surprising to anyone. I'm not a particular fan of the Call of Duty series musically. It's not really my cup of tea. The last Call of Duty game I played was probably like Modern Warfare 2. So it's been a while. Um, I've never really had a lot of thoughts about the music. Uh, I used to like the Medal of Honor music quite a bit. Um, This is an interesting example of where we are style-wise for video games. But I would like to talk a little bit about not just where we are in 2023 with video game music, but I'd like to talk about not just the Grammys, awards in general, and how do you go about coming up with a list of of nominees for something like video game music? That that would be a really hard task. Well, I think it's particularly hard with games because uh, smaller indie developed games have a kind of reach for actual players in the real world that really small indie produced films don't necessarily have now maybe when you're talking about like youtube channels and more modern social media platforms then i think that is more equivalent but that's just the difference between you know doing an award acknowledging video games and doing an award acknowledging film and television both film and television come from this very traditional old school pipeline of production and how it's distributed to us but games are kind of like anything and everything. I mean, you have these incredibly expensive and lucrative AAA projects, these massive franchises that have these big release schedules and incredibly large teams of people working on these things. But then you have these small indie developed things and thanks to, you know, the rise of mobile gaming and all the different platforms to develop things, you know, there, there are ways for um, smaller projects to become more ubiquitous and part of the culture, which I think awarding something like yeah, this Yeah, I just makes wish it, that like, they were recognized more. So what's interesting, well, if you look at these nominees, well, well, there's a couple things that is just interesting to me, that there were only five nominees. It seems like there could have been maybe more than that. Um, and all of them, except for the last one, I don't know much about Old World. It doesn't seem like it's a particularly big game. It looks like it's published by Hooded Horse. That doesn't. That sounds like it could be quasi indie. But other so other than Old World, all these games are are big games, really expensive, popular games. And I would have loved to see more. Um, I don't know, just, I guess, diversity in the nominations, not just the size of the game, but also, you know, having some Japanese composers from, and this is something that is not surprising because the Grammys, it is an American award show, but what's kind of ambiguous is there is no actual rule. You you don't have to be an American to be nominated. There are plenty of other artists that are not American that are nominated. So it is strange. Well, there still is an American focus on it. I think part of the problem is that there aren't that many composers in America that have reached this level of like the Bear McCreary level of attention and success that have a real connection point with a lot of the composers and music from Japan. Granted, we have the people like Gareth Coker. We have the people like Grant Kirkhope. We have those individuals, you know, that Mm -hmm. have worked on Japanese projects and have worked with a lot of the greatest, you know, 
composers, again, people outside of, and with game music now, it's just, it's so massive, because it, it's not like it's just the US and Japan or the UK, it's the whole world creating incredible music, and so it's, with something like the Grammys, you know, when it's mostly focused on commercial music, I think it makes sense that if they no, it makes total sense because it's about commercial, like you said. Yeah, it has it's, to be it's the about biggest popular projects. entertainment. Yeah, and so that I'm not surprised when it comes to the Grammys. It's it's other awards too. I mean, there's always been some disappointment I've had um, when it comes to the lack of representation of certain types of games and scores and composers, and it's a real yeah. bummer uh, to me. And and not just the Grammys, but at the Game Awards too. Like you'll see the same types of games get nominated year year in year out, and um, yeah, I just I would love to see more variety in the future. I and think maybe, it's a very maybe there needs similar, to be a though, different award. It's very similar to sort of the discussion around how come comedy films like so rarely win any awards. Right. And yeah, I mean, I remember when uh The Martian won under comedy for the Golden Globes. And Hilarious. Even the director was like, Comedy? Comedy. What? Yeah, there's some comedic uh, elements, but not any more than any other drama. It, it, I think there is a natural tendency in awards to gravitate towards material that seems classy and seems like something that they yeah. can high art. They can stand behind. Yeah, and so and in this I case, think, it's it's like quote orchestral scores, and I'm using quotes because sometimes these are VSTs that you're hearing. But yeah, orchestral or filmic types of scores. That's the only thing that's basically considered. Uh, and that's really frustrating. I mean, I'm not expecting a chiptune score to be on here. And so I'm not surprised that there isn't, but it doesn't mean it's not disappointing to me. Well, I think in this is where I think there is potential because I think this group of candidates, they all deserve to be nominated. And I think totally. if this were coming from the game awards and of like from the industry rewarding game music it would totally make sense to me the thing is like the grammys implies like i understood why journey won because i could see that being people play the game and i'm like oh my gosh what is this music i have to get this soundtrack i think in the case of these i would think um, just in the world of game music, there were soundtracks that seemed like they would have made a bigger splash oh, absolutely. as a soundtrack entity on its own, where this feels like it was almost more about um, focusing on the really commercial, successful titles. And I think right. this is something where, you know, this is the first year that this category exists. And I think it's possible that, you know, as the Grammys gets more comfortable and people become... Hopefully the general public more aware, more celebratory of video game music. I think some of what you're describing about that nervousness to show anything that isn't an American composer doing stuff in the orchestral-ish genre... I think that they're still nervous to award like a Grant Kirkhope or a Peter McConnell or someone that's like having fun i mean i think the closest thing is like a richard jakes and christopher tin where they they have been around they kind of they're i don't know they're game composers yeah, the, the, so well the last thing that i wanted to say and it's not just the grammys because this is brand new it's 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 the game awards it's awards in general anytime there's any focus about awards when it comes to video game yeah. music Movies, what's been so TV, frustrating with me is and I'm not alone on this. I think anyone who knows about video game history, and if you're judging it on the whole, you cannot discount the influence and the impact, the seismic impact of Japanese composers and developers. So to not have that be represented 
uh, and it's it's happened so many times uh, well, where it's there's just not that funny. representation, and it's it's almost laughable. It's particularly um, interesting too because this seems like this is a period in time where, at, at least in Hollywood, at least in kind of things with the attention of you know the popular culture, it seems like things are about celebrating representation, and there seems to be like a concerted effort to represent you know more female composers more composers of all Mm -hmm. racial and ethnic backgrounds but that's why something like this is so interesting is you know steph economy's win i think is very rightly so being celebrated because it's important to have more inclusion of women composers but that's all the more reason why it's so frustrating that the japanese female composers just (laughs) seem to be left out of the discussion in any of these japanese composers where is yo Coco Kano, you know, winning Emmys and like, where is, I, I don't know. I'd love to see, and it isn't just for games, it's for movies, it's for television. There's so much incredible art. I, I will it say the last Japan, thing, it's also before South we play Korea, one more, it's uh, all over the place. Bear track. In general, these types of award shows, they're an American thing. I mean, we're pretty obsessed with awards over here. I don't think a lot of other regions of the world care nearly as much I mean, Grammys are the biggest worldwide music They're award. Too There's good no at other ass. worldwide busy. music award that people care about nearly as much as the Grammys. And the same when it comes to movies and the Oscars. Like, we love awards over here, and maybe too much. <laughs> Let's play one possible. more track from Vanguard. This is Bombing Run. You guys listening to Bombing Run. This is by Bear McCreary. Um, I was first introduced to his music um, from watching The Walking Dead. Used to really be into that show for a couple years before it got kind of silly and went on forever, <laughs> <laughs> like every American show does now. Um, but yeah, was really into the music. Um, Spitting fire <laughs> over here. <laughs> It's it's funny to like take down a show that's like really popular and successful like The Walking Dead. I feel like it's not a big deal to do that. Um, I I loved the first two seasons of The Walking Dead, and then it got slowly worse and worse. But yeah, anyway, I've been you know a fan of Bear. Will do you remember? Uh, we went to a really fun panel that Bear did at Magfest. Was it like I don't know how many years ago? Four years ago? Five years ago? Um, yeah, I mean, I think it was a great point in time too because he was discussing a lot about that Dark Void soundtrack, yeah. which was from not an incredibly popular, successful game, but a very no. interesting title, interesting by Capcom. score, and also and some I of his think TV a great work. Score. He was talking about. 
Um, yeah, I, 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 I have a lot of love for Bear McCreary. I do, um, you know, I, I think that because he works on so many different projects that sometimes he may have the potential to stretch himself thin in certain ways. And this is something that I've noticed about, you know, a lot of, frankly, film composers as well. Um, and I don't want to get into the game of naming names and because I, I don't necessarily mean this as a criticism. In some ways, it's kind of like, wow, good for you ha being incredibly busy and having all this work. But I do think that there's a quality to that which it's like some of the things you're probably going to really love and some of the things you might not as much. But again, a lot of these composers, they're emulating, you know, the Jerry Goldsmiths of the world where it's yeah. like, I mean, Jerry was just constantly working and so much stuff. I mean, John Williams too. So it's, I, I totally get that composers want to fill their plate and, and take on a lot of projects. But I do think to me, it just means that I don't necessarily love everything of mm -hmm. this composer's output i will say i do want to give a shout out to um that godzilla score that he did from yeah. a few years ago i think it was for the second godzilla movie didn't particularly love the film but oh my <laughs> gosh i loved the score carlos i thought it felt too. like a great return to form for like classic film music and i could mm -hmm. definitely hear his love for you know goldsmith and elmer bernstein and williams and alan silvestri and like i i, I really i hear that this is going for a decidedly grittier more minimalist thing i will say in terms of the production i really like the way the strings sound and the way they're mic'd it, it's a slightly drier sound i appreciated that it's a more chambery orchestra a smaller number of players that at least gives this genre that to me i i'm a little tired of this sort of aggressive hyper masculine minimalism yeah. that just so much american stuff is i i would like for games to get away from this as yeah. well as TV yeah and, and i'm gonna just say a little bit more i'm gonna say another thing that you might say is spicy and it's nothing about this score or bear at all uh but sometimes when i hear modern game music that's in this style it doesn't even sound like music anymore to me because i've heard it so many times and i've been hit over the face for the last like 15 years with this sound uh that sometimes it just it just feels like almost background noise to me well and that's why i do think it is important to acknowledge the differences and i do think there are actually strong melodic lines in the tracks that we've played i think there's great playing i really enjoyed yeah. the kind of cello yeah, it's melody more of the in tracks the last that one. the rest of the tracks you know like listening through the whole score and again it's like that's the job right if you're scoring a modern call of duty game that is the tone. That's the style, you know. There's certain things you're just not going to be able to do. Well, now, actually, why don't we move to an intermission segment from Arthur? Take it away, Arthur. What up, Supermarcado listeners? This is username Arthur, user picture high C, Bop, and Barry, and I'm here to talk about cheesy music. Why is cheesy music so darn fun? Maybe it's that laid-back attitude that says, I don't care what you think, I'm just here to have a good time. And enjoy this sweet surf and safari Nintendo 64 summer soundtrack. Wave Race 64! Wave Race! This is the title screen music from that game, composed by... Kazumi Totaka! Man, if this music doesn't make you want to pop a Capri Sun and jump on a slip and slide, I don't know what to tell you. So anyway, 
How come in this game the water on the sunset level is orange? I don't know, but I'll tell you one thing. I want to drink that orange water. I mean, I want to drink all the colors of Wave Race water, if I'm being honest. Come on, I can't be the only one. They made it look so good. Anyway, back to the topic. Uh, that was some pretty good cheesy music, huh? But what does that even mean, cheesy? Well, I think when people say it in common parlance, it just means that something is uncool. But so what? Lots of good things are uncool. Think about all the great people throughout human history who don't keep up with today's trends. Anyway, here's a hot track we can all get behind. Twin Flight from Konami Kukeha Club Profusion. Twin be a This is the Konami in-house band doing a cover of the track from the game. Man, it sounds like Barbie and Ken rocking out on their way to the prom. In outer space. It's that spacey lead synth. It sounds like a laser made out of Crest Sparkle toothpaste. So beautiful. Oh, and here comes that 90s sitcom guitar. You know, it's like Alf and his family are at the beach just looking out at the sunset and you just know everything is going to be okay. This is an incredible work of art. I mean, they have all this sparkly, sprinkly fairy dust, but then they just rock and roll, you know? It's a contradiction. Oh my god, listen to this. Listen. This is like, we, we just went from that Barbie birthday party, and now we're in like a bar in a basement filled with cigarette smoke and real adult musicians playing on stage. This is like a TGI Friday's cocktail. They start out with that sugary pink stuff, but then they add a little bit of uh, something hard for mom and dad, you know? Oh yeah. This is music by Dean Evans. It's from Waterworld for Super Nintendo. Oh, it's so good. When you were a little kid, did you ever go into a teenager's bedroom and be like, Oh my god, there's like a black light in here and a bead curtain and I want to be like that when I grow up. Because you know, back then you thought teenagers were adults. That whole experience is what this music sounds like. This music is so cool. I mean, it's cool to me. It's not cool by pop culture standards. And pop culture decides what's cool and what's cheesy, right? Cheesy is not a musical concept. It's a pop culture concept. And pop culture is ephemeral and abstract and arbitrary. Cheese is anything that's been expelled from the current zeitgeist. And that was my zeitgeist, man. That's what I grew up with. To, to latch on to cheese is to say, hey, wait... I'm not ready to give this up. Coolness is some ephemeral planned obsolescence that's designed to make you throw out your stuff and buy new stuff. But if something gets thrown out, to me that just makes it more of a rare and valuable treasure. 
And I don't think it's a matter of being ironically good, I think it's just good. But maybe cheesy stuff is good in a way that people find confusing. I mean, when I hear something cheesy, yeah, sometimes it makes me laugh, but it's not laughing at it, it's... Uh, it's a laughter of being tickled in a very deep, genuine way. I mean, I find this stuff really moving. I mean, think about the way you are with someone you love. Are you trying to be cool around them? I hope not. <laughs> I mean, I hope you allow yourself to be vulnerable and silly and cheesy. That's what it means to be human. Why do we call cheesy jokes dad jokes? Because it comes from a place of love. That's what cheesiness is. Okay, I'm out of time. Uh, thank you, Mercado Bros. I love you guys. Thanks so much, Arthur. And I really think that's the perfect uh, setup for a lot of today's discussion. A lot of what we've been talking about has to do with sort of the context of how we perceive music and games. And I think part of the discussion around the Grammys and kind of its acknowledgement of game music really goes into the discussion of like what it means to be self-consciously cheesy, unself-consciously cheesy. I mean, it's so much game music is about style because that's like, it's getting us to feel yeah, that was, things in one way or another. That was really fun. Thanks a lot, Arthur. Well, I'm excited to move on to I'm the, so excited the for this. fourth out of fifth nominee and by far my favorite uh, score <laughs> on this list. Is it's it really weird. a surprise? <laughs> it's weird because it came out in 2021, so it's it's a little strange. I don't I still don't get how that can be. We just we're watching the, you know, the Grammys in 2023, but okay, whatever. Uh, this is Marvel's Guardians of the Galaxy, the video game score by Richard Jakes. I love Richard Jake so much. Let's take a listen to Entering the Zone. listening to entering the zone it's so fun and melodic it's exciting i love this kind of orchestral music and it's really fun to hear this from richard he was kind of stretching himself a little bit with this score we hadn't really heard anything quite on this scale and intensity really in his whole career we know that he's an amazing diverse composer that can compose in any style that you throw at him but it's it's really special that he's getting all this praise well, he's been getting a lot of praise for the score and he deserves all of it and the the, uh, the other thing that makes me happy is and i do care about being tethered to sort of video game 
history and traditions and i think that this is partially why we're so frustrated with the lack of acknowledgement of Japanese composers because they yeah. basically invented the art form. And so without acknowledging that, it feels frustrating. Um, but what's cool about someone like Richard Jakes is at least he was he is working back in the period in time where that music was being created. So I, I feel like any composer that worked on the Sega Genesis or that worked <laughs> on the Super Nintendo or that worked on, you know, the Commodore 64, they had to have an awareness and appreciation of the earliest kind of pioneers and founders of the art form. So I feel like what's... I, and I also just have to say... I'm not the biggest Marvel fan. I don't like a lot of the movies. I'm kind of sick of the oversaturation of superheroes. But the, of yeah, all the Marvel <laughs> anything in the recent years, my favorite Marvel stuff are the video game scores. Totally. A lot of, I mean, the Spider-Man music, man, is so fantastic. This Guardians of the Galaxy, I mean, I haven't... Um, listen to enough of it I feel because Dude, everything so that I good. encounter is just outstanding and I think he nailed it absolutely at the level of the movies if not surpassing them in so many ways and then when you talk about the ways that so much of this stuff is interactive it's just it's mind-blowing that it can be both engaging as a piece of music but also be an interactive kind of musical well, experience in a game sense let's play one more um guardians track and i want to get will's uh take on this and maybe you can talk a little more specifically because you know we've had a nice broad conversation today but let me get your thoughts on this particular track it's your bones are mine You guys are listening to a little bit of <laughs> Your Bones Are Mine. And yeah, I mean, I guess they are, Richard. Holy crap. I feel this in my bones. Love this so much. Such good writing, orchestration. The themes are so strong. It, yeah, it reminds me of Western film composers. It also reminds me a bit of Kohei Tanaka and just the overall energy of of this. Right. Yeah, I mean, what do you think of this, man? The borrow is borrowing is back and forth. So much classic video game music was influenced by composers like you know James Horner and Alan Silvestri and John Williams and stuff. This track feels particularly Silvestrian, and I think that's by no mistake. Alan Silvestri's work 
on the Marvel films, particularly the Avengers, that's really established like a musical foundation really for a lot of the stuff that, that yeah. comes out of that. But I think Richard is doing Alan better than Alan. Like this sounds like Alan in the eighties or something. Yeah. It's nuts. I well, mean, it's, this is and so again, good. I've talked about this before, but it's gamey. It's gamifying Alan. You know, it, it's the video game version of it. So it's a little more yes, fun. It's, it's a gamifying. little more catchy. Yeah. Just hats off to to Richard and that's that score is outstanding. Okay, let's move on. Wait, before we move on, I just have to say, I know we probably seem a little biased because of how much <laughs> we're like freaking out over this and like didn't seem to be freaking out over the other stuff. We completely acknowledge that you know, we have very, as you know, we're composers, we have very specific tastes musically. We have specific kinds of video game music that we so love just as music, not as how it works Mm -hmm. with the game, not as how it supports telling the story. And that's a big distinction. Most of these composers don't care as much about like how this just purely sounds out of its context as music. They're telling a story. They're supporting a game experience. So that also has to be acknowledged. We're not even engaging in that discussion, but that guardians of the galaxy (laughs) music was just so much fun and so enjoyable to listen to. And it just, it's great. So we, we can celebrate everyone without any judgment or criticism um, and celebrate them enthusiastically. I like it. Um, but we also have, you know, our own personal tastes of what music excites us so much. And yeah, it's yeah. almost like it's subjective or great. something like that. Uh, okay, <laughs> let's move on to the last of the five. And it's Christopher Tin. And it's nice to see him nominated again um, for a game music related award. This is a game that I am embarrassed to say also I hadn't heard of. I don't know how big it was, Old World. I was looking at the publisher and the developer, never heard of them. So maybe it's a smaller scale game for the PC, I know. Um, but yeah, any, in any case, it's an awesome soundtrack. And Christopher is very inspired writing on this soundtrack. Let's take a listen to Festival of Dionysus. <laughs> You guys are listening to Festival of Dionysus, Greece, from Old World, composed by Christopher Tin. And this is a banger. I mean, I know that it's like pretty soft and quiet, but it's so catchy and groovy. Like this one gets me dancing, <laughs> doing doing a Gaelic dance over here. 
Um, a really fun score from Christopher. Yeah, I was excited to finally check this out. You know, after seeing the nominations list, I had never heard of it before that. Well, but and um, Christopher is great. tapping into a, a particular sort of duality with game music, or I mean, I think this could be any kind of scoring. Um, but a particular kind of duality that we've called out before. And I think it's particularly useful in this sort of medieval folk sound because that, you know, any old um, idiomatic folk style has been acknowledged, sent up, and incorporated into so many different forms and styles of music, so many contexts, films, television, other music. You know, it's just part of our collective almost culture cultural subconscious Mm -hmm. and so what i love is when a composer is using that and acknowledging multiple of those layers at once so it's like medieval folk dances have a groove element to them that you can lean into yet christopher is a modern composer and he also knows what a modern listeners musical sensibilities are in like what they might be expecting from a piece of music and so it like kind of classic game music was where it acknowledged enough of the stylistic pastiche elements yet it was still an underlying groovy melodic satisfying piece totally this is a quality that christopher's music has and i i really admire it because the music does such a good job of painting a world of being immersive of being uh you know 21st century serious sophisticated score Mm -hmm. but at the same time it's populated by all of these really appealing melodies and very simple and memorable kind of catchy moments um i i remember in high school that my high school choir sang um a version of that piece baba yetu um, from one of the civilization games and I think it's that I remember thinking like what's so interesting is it was very different from a lot of the video game music I grew up with but it was catchy and it's like Super it was so catchy. catchy it was like you know popular and interesting to like high school age yeah you know musicians. and and I want to circle back before we end here and about something you brought up which is talking about subjectivity and for me personally all I can just say is these last two nominees here uh, Old World and uh, Guardians, they just are definitely more up my alley, my cup of tea musically. Like, just the types of scores that they are. Very melodic, very fun, very... Uh, there's an excitement, I mean, more excitement in Guardians, but yeah, there's an energy to it and a, a catchiness that it just wasn't the mandate, maybe, on some of the, the previous scores. And so, yeah, well, they're just really up my alley. And this is what I love about composers who have been working in video games since like the 90s because also look at like a peter mcconnell you know i think he has really great refined um modern tastes yet if if you listen to a score of his i i'll just bet that you'll find more (sighs) intrinsically musical melodic elements that are inherently enjoyable to listen to on their own (laughs) that you wouldn't necessarily get from a lot of the what i see as film and television composers yeah and so when i was talking about diversity i'm talking about that too i'm talking about musical variety and different types of genres that are evoked i mean there's there's not an ounce of jazz in any of these scores and that's kind of sad to me there's not 
really a lot of um, higher energy, like rock or metal, not really much of that. There might be a little bit of that. Um, there's, yeah, there's, I don't know. It's just, there's a lot of other styles and other energies that are missing from from this list. And and, but and, I, and, I, I get, and to be like, honest, I have mixed so feelings about awards in general. And I've had a lot of similar feelings to movie-related awards for a long time. I mean, part of me doesn't really get big awards like this because it's like you're trying to come up with a list of this is the best work done in this field huh it's like how do you do that and you're leaving so much stuff out so it's it's kind of a weird thing for me well you know what's interesting is i you know i listen to conan's podcast a lot conan o'brien as do i friend and i i mean i love conan you know we i think we grew up in that point in time where the best he was very much this like younger generation countercultural like slightly subversive but older people don't quite get it kind of comedy so i think for for a whole generation that he's kind of like a really special guy but <laughs> and completely um i think on this topic i remember him sort of making this point around the time when you know there was all this stuff in the news about um, you know, tearing down statues and things. And I thought he made a really interesting point about how really the second you make a statue of anything, it's almost like it's sort of this act of hubris by humanity of kind mm-hmm. of like, yes, we've decided this is the standard <laughs> and we're right. going to put it up for all time of the exemplar. And then we come back a few generations later and we're like, oh, what about this? What about yeah, this? Why didn't you do totally. that? And I think there's that similar, there's something about giving awards that's acting as though it's so definitive it's almost like religious it's like yeah god hath chosen <laughs> these four to be selected amongst yeah. all and, and there's something about it, it. feels it's like, weird yeah, to but me. it's just these subjective tastes and just because someone has had success financially in in industry or just because someone has won these awards themselves that doesn't make their musical taste any more valid than someone with no musical training at all. Mm-hmm. Music, I think, taps into something almost metaphysical and spiritual and definitely deep under our bones. Sure. That it's like part of what I love is that it's for everyone to engage with. In these kinds of awards for music, even more than like film, because there's so much craft to both, but film is like so many different crafts. You can yeah. have a slightly maybe more objective appraisal of things, but music. I don't know. It's I, I think it's much simpler and much more mysterious at the same time. So awarding it is just kind of Well, I'll say this. Um I've been a little spicy today, but I I, I have a lot more negative like strictly negative views of music um reviews and critics and writing than I do of music awards. Uh <laughs> I absolutely cannot stomach the concept of a music out al- like an album review working for pitchfork or something like that would be my my purgatory um so many times i'll you know i don't do it anymore but feels like i'm masochistic i would read one of these music reviews and they don't talk about the music <laughs> they talk about everything else except the music uh, so yeah, it is. It is silly to me to review yeah, it's almost, to give music I, a star rating. If you didn't call it music review and you called it whatever that band or that artist is, cultural analysis, 
yeah, I'd be fine with it. But by calling it like or, a you know music what I'm looking for it's completely is about just like exterior someone elements. to be excited and say, I loved this album. Here's why I loved it. I thought it was really cool and I liked these songs. That's it. Like it's not an objective. Or, or yeah, thing. someone to actually dig in to the music and say, I really enjoyed this melody, and I thought right. against this chord progression, and I noticed how it went to five four in this one measure, and then changed. And like, if you're getting into substantive musical analysis, that's cool. But when it's mm-hmm. just this weird, it, it it to me it reminds me of like how I feel when I encounter a sommelier. That's like is talking about the taste as though it's like I taste earth and dirt and I, I <laughs> taste guava and I taste mangoes. And it's just like, but that's not actually in this wine. You're kind of inventing <laughs> sensations. And I think there's a similar. Clearly, you're know, not sophisticated not exactly... <laughs> enough, Will, to speak on the matter. So I'm just going to stop. I don't you know. Right I'm not saying that they're not um, tasting legitimate elements it's more the language around it of how it's discussed and i think that's what you're responding to i like this wine it's tasty (laughs) i like it because it's sweet and it makes me feel good uh okay so we're gonna play out with one more track from old world by chris and this is called the auger speaks rome it's gonna be our play out today and it was fun to do this very timely topical episode so look forward to at some point another current events episode um, yeah, and this was actually Will's idea. So, Will, thanks for this idea. This was a good one. Well, and, you know, I know that this stuff isn't all, you know, right squarely up your alley, but um, I no, think I it's enjoyed important. Myself this is a historic moment for video games, getting totally. this acceptance into, you know, the popular culture. It's not like they're going to immediately add this category and be like, you know what's great? Frogger. You know what's <laughs> great? Super Mario Brothers 3. Like, because that stuff has existed for so long. So to now acknowledge it means that they're acknowledging that they were ignorant in the past to not include those things. So it's like there is this sort of sense of like, now we're including it because games have gotten to a level of art that's above yeah. this. And so th- there's going to be a bend in that direction as far as I think the discussion around some of these things. But I think we it's important to celebrate all these composers because they're a part. No, of No, I want to celebrate and them. And particularly, I'm excited to look more into Stephanie's work. I got to say yeah. that I wasn't really familiar with her music before this. So I'm excited for her well, future and work I and also, to check out other stuff she's already I've done. I've just been... I've been hearing so many great things about her. I, I'm fortunate to have a number of um, people that I consider friends who've had uh, many interactions with her, and I think they've all she been seems incredibly lovely. positive. She's been really generous to the, I mean, to Columbia College, you know, where I went to school and has been involved in teaching and kind of guest speaking things. Um, so yeah, she seems like a really cool person and I so congratulations to and her. look forward to hearing her name more and more in the future, as well as the name of all of these composers. I mean, they've all already contributed significantly to game music but you know music in general in a broader sense and And i I look forward to you know listening to some of these scores more in full i'm gonna be putting the entire old world score on tomorrow when i get some work done so i look forward to that i think that's about it uh we are excited for our next episode with you guys gonna be a fun one yeah i think kind of um what we've been appreciating about what we're calling like the newer era of 
um, this podcast where we have, we, we kind of want it to be different every time. We don't want to have one single format or way of analyzing things. This was definitely a broader kind of 50,000 foot overview yep. um, of this topic. Next week, we're going to go in the opposite direction and nice. focus on something uh, to a much more granular, microscopic level. And I can't wait because those are some of my favorite. Look forward episodes. to that. Thanks, Arthur, for the wonderful intermission segment. And that's it. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brueggemann. Have a great week, everybody. Peace out.